0: Welcome everyone to another Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. The season's college baseball podcast is being sponsored by Project Lomo, an innovative program encouraging young fans to help a cause or improve their community. In 2010, Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins lost his father to lung cancer, and Logan has worked tirelessly over the past three years to help the American Lung Association. Now Logan is asking young baseball fans to help make the world a better place and to tell him what you did. Each young fan who completes an, in- an initiative will get a signed photo of Logan Morrison and a Lomo No. 5 t-shirt jersey. In addition, a set of donors will contribute $100 to the American Lung Association for each submission. And the five best projects will be awarded with $1,000, as well as a trip to a Marlins game with the opportunity to meet Logan Morrison and throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Details about this program can be found at projectlomo.mlblogs.com. That's Project Lomo. .mlblogs.com. We want to thank, again, our sponsors at Project Lomo. Aaron, it's really neat to have a worthy cause like that, um, especially just in a, a spring where really college baseball and baseball overall, Aaron, is kind of an escape for all of us with a crazy week last week that touched a couple of people in the Baseball America family with uh, Ben Badler, who personally knew one of the people killed at the Boston Marathon. and wow. uh, And then, of course, your father, Running in the marathon at the time of the explosions, and just a crazy week and a difficult week for a lot of people, and uh, I think kind of thankful that we have baseball to kind of take our minds off of it. And I know I enjoyed Big Poppy's, uh <laughs> Big Poppy's pregame speech Saturday in Boston, but just a tumultuous week, and I'm uh, I'm happy for you that the way that it touched you was just some anxiety, and obviously nothing more with your with your dad running in the uh, running in the marathon.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, he, he got a little lucky, honestly, because uh, he you know, my, my dad is he's run forty marathons now and, and unbelievable. Um, and you know, when he trains when he trains properly, he, he would have he would have been right there at the finish line. I mean, when the blast went. But in this this case, uh, he didn't really train for it. He just said, Ah, oh, screw it, I'm gonna run. Uh, <laughs> and you know it's kinda of, it was kind of a you know, he made the decision in the last weekend, uh, and, and and ran as a bandit, you know, without a number. Um, which they, which is one of the neat things about the Boston Marathon is they, they've got usually hundreds of people who do that, and then they kind of embrace them; they don't kick them out or anything. It's kind of a neat thing. Uh, but uh, you know, so he was, he was about ten minutes behind his usual pace, so it, was, it worked. It's a good thing as it turned out. But um, you know, it was, it was, it was a, it was a frightening week. Um, you know, certainly. I, I found uh, being across the country, even that uh, you know, I was, I was shaking a little bit. I mean, I found it hard to concentrate on work last week uh, because it was just, you know, it hit, it hit close to home. And anytime there's a terrorist attack in the United States, I think a lot of people are affected, of course. Um, yep. But uh, it was, you know, it was, it was very harrowing. And, and, you know, I think it was a, a huge sigh of relief from a lot of people on Friday when that thing finally kind of reached some resolution.
0: No doubt, uh, just a just a just a, a re- very low, just a week we I hope we don't have to go through as a country uh, for a long time. Um, so, uh, Aaron, I actually was at the ballpark a little bit more than you this weekend, which I don't think is as no- normal. You know, I, I know you went to go see Gonzaga this weekend against Pepperdine, a little Marco Gonzalez. I was in Chapel Hill for the North Carolina Duke series. Um, why don't we just start right there, real quick, Aaron? A lot of action in the ACC this weekend at the, at, that involved the top of our rankings. Uh, we still have three ACC teams in our top six. Uh, I guess actually last week we had three in our top seven. North Carolina remains number one. Kind of numbing excellence from the Tar Heels at thirty-nine and two. Yeah. For a little perspective, Aaron, the Miami Heat are thirty-eight and two in their last forty games. So, um, yeah. I-, a- I heard
1: you. I heard you mention that same stand on the uh ESPN three broadcast. I hope our listeners had a chance to to watch some of that because you did a fantastic job on color this weekend. It was it was fun to listen to.
0: Well thanks, Fitzy. I'll I will do one more series uh with North Carolina this week uh this this year, which is uh, uh against Virginia. So very fortunate to do that one. Uh I did one NC state game earlier this year. I did seven state games last year. It's kinda of where my man crush started on on Trey Turner and Carlos Rodan and Trey Turner continues to move up my all-time personal cheeseball levels, I, I don't know. I can call. it. I think I've had to release him to the wild because he's just too good. <laughs> Usually, the cheeseballs are guys that I like in an irrational fashion more than I should. Like say, nice. freshman year Hunter Renfro. You know, right. now now Hunter Renfro is beyond cheeseball level. He's he's too good. I mean, they built an entire uh, SEC broadcast on ESPN around Hunter Renfro the other day, which was weird. I mean, I know he's I know he's really good, but it was very strange to see how much of that broadcast of ESPN focused on, on my, my main man, Hunter Renfro, But uh, now NC State, that's where I'm trying to go with this, is uh, Trey Turner healthy, NC State healthy, and Carlos Rodon threw well on Saturday, uh, 10 strikeouts through six innings, and he wound up completing the game without any more strikeouts. But the Wolfpack looks to be back, Aaron. They've won 14 straight, and they sweep a series at Georgia Tech, and preseason number eight, NC State basically is right back to that position. We moved them all the way up to number six in our rankings. And that's just in time for uh, NC State and North Carolina to play this weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend in a series that's already sold out. Granted, NC State's ballpark is not huge, around 3,000 seats. But uh, number one North Carolina, number six NC State, they've won a combined 28 games between them in a row. Uh, First of all, how, how did NC State get back to playing to the level that we thought they'd play at in the preseason when we ranked them eighth?
1: Well, certainly, you know, you hit on the, the biggest reason, it's it's Trey Turner coming back. I mean, uh, you know, when you, you lose that guy, you lose your most dynamic player, the guy who who stirs the drink, um, uh, for that team. And, and, you know, I mean, it's your starting shortstop, it's your best hitter, your, you know, your speed guy. I mean, it's the heart, the heart of your team. Um, and since he's been back in the lineup, they're 16 and one. So obviously that was a key thing, but you know, they, they have gotten contributions from a lot of different guys. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's people like Grant Clyde, you know, yeah. and, and, um, you know, these, these kind of supporting players that have really, um, kind of stepped forward and, and become, You know the pieces they needed to be. I mean, let's not forget, NC State lost you know a big chunk of their production from last year. I mean, it was it's hard to replace guys like um, you know Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews. That's one of
0: the (laughs) all-time cheese balls.
1: Yeah, uh, Danny Canella, of course, and and uh, you know, um, yeah, Andy shorts. Sensen was They're a longtime shorts. run producer. Chris Diaz at shortstop. Yeah. I mean, they, those are those are four key guys. But I mean, they needed they needed Terrence Snead um, to become a force in the middle of their lineup. And to me, he gives them kind of he he is to them kind of what Cody Stubbs is to North Carolina. He's that okay. senior senior guy left-handed bat with some pop uh physical presence in there and both cases you know we were kind of waiting for several years for for those two guys to figure it out I mean Stubbs of course started out going to Tennessee and went up to junior college and first year North Carolina started off well and then kind of ended up in disappointing fashion last year Uh, now as a senior he's put it all together and Sine has been kind of the uh the same way you know he's he's um you know he was he was kind of a, a an important recruit for them out of Pennsylvania in high yep. school. Um, and, you know, his career had been just a little inconsistent and, and you know, a little disappointing to this point. But now um, he's emerged. And, and, and I think that's that's been a real key for them as well.
0: Yeah, he really, I think that's a great comp. Those guys are very comparable uh, guys with, they, they, you thought maybe would be really home run power plants, but instead they're really more, you know, there's some home runs there, but there's also more doubles hitters. But they're both physical uh, veteran forces in the middle of the lineup. And Uh, To me, NC State's other, you know, big key has just been the depth of their bullpen. You know, Chris Overman has been outstanding for them this year. He was good for them in 2011. Shaky in 2012 uh, has not given up an earned run this year. Uh, Then the return of Grant Sasser, who's uh, also only given up two unearned runs. they have those two guys combining for 11 saves, and they've been very consistent out of the back of their bullpen. That's allowed them to move Ryan Wilkins. It was kind of their moment of truth guy. Into the weekend rotation, I know Wilkins wasn't great this uh, this past weekend, but he was good enough that they won the game. And then also his emergence allowed them to move Rodon mm-hmm. back to Saturday. It'll be very interesting to see what they do with their weekend rotation uh, moving into this weekend with North Carolina. I mean, do you go Ryan Wilkins against Kent Emanuel, or do you do you leave Rodon on uh, you know on on Saturday where he you know kind of returned to being successful? So it's going to be a, a very interesting series. I guess the thing is that that surprises me a little bit, Aaron, is both those teams, I don't want to make it too provincial and talk too much about the locals, but uh, you do have two teams that have gotten, you know, they were 1-8 preseason, they're 1-6 now when they meet. They've, they've both gotten there, and I don't think we thought this would be the way either one got there. I think we thought North Carolina State's pitching, especially starting pitching, would be a little bit better. I think we thought North Carolina, the crazy thing to me is that North Carolina's 39-6 and six with Hobbs Johnson and Benton Moss really just kind of getting rolling. So I, I won't even be able to go to most of that series. I think I'll be able to get to one game. My mm. weekend family schedule is crazy this weekend, but uh, definitely looking forward to that one. And then the other big series in the ACC, obviously, this past weekend, Aaron, was Virginia and Florida State. And you previewed it in weekend preview, so we won't go too much into it. But, you know, Florida State, it felt like this was uh, this was not a vintage Florida State team. Like, say, last year's was in terms of talent. And they'd had a great year to this point. But I think we both kind of saw this coming, that they, that Virginia should win this series. But I don't think either yeah. one of us expected a sweep.
1: Right. Yeah, you never expect Florida State to get swept. That's it. Um, and, and, you know, in Florida State... Yeah, I think you and I both share some reservations about their their lineup, their offense and their defense. Um, You know, it's just, they just don't have the personnel they had last year. I mean, it's, you lose your entire starting infield and those are four really good players they had last year in that infield. I mean, those are fantastic college players uh and of course james ramsey you know i mean yep. he was he was by far their best player last year the best one of the best players in the country um so you know you lose those guys and and you know the, you know of course justin gonzalez is part of that infield thing losing him to an injury earlier this season and then you got um you know giovanni alfonso who's been okay at shortstop uh, but but hasn't been as consistent you know as as the senior would have been right um, you know so their defense has been shaky at times um, but you know, they do have really good pitching and, and, and they, they pitch generally pretty well this weekend too. Um, not as well as they have been, but that's a really good offensive team at UVA. I mean, I love that lineup, um, the, the athleticism, the depth and, and you know, the guys in the middle, uh, I wrote on, on, on Thursday and we could preview about uh, McCarthy and kind of the, the way that he's emerged. I mean, that's the guy that, that wasn't really on, on my radar coming into the season. Um, and, and he's hitting three hole for him and been, and been a bit, a big part of what they've done there. Uh, but you know, and then with, with Downs and Fisher behind them and, um, you know, obviously Brandon Cogswell is, is a really good player starting shortstop athletic guy that, uh, makes them go atop the lineup, um, all the way down the lineup though. they've I mean, got the veteran guys, the Reed Greg nannies and, um, you know, Jared King and the two holes had a really nice year for them. It's just, uh, I think it's a very dangerous offensive team and, and, and their pitching has been better than we expected. Right. Um, you know, and Scott Silverstein's such a big part of that. Another very strong start for him on Saturday. He's gotten a lot better as 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 a what fifth year senior, I guess. Yep. I mean, he's he's you know, he's had those two surgeries. at a long road back. I remember seeing him last year and thinking, man, you know, it's I, I feel for the guy, but it's just not it's just not there right now. There. I mean, yeah, it wasn't he, there. He was,
0: it was smoke and mirrors and guts and guile last year, the first half of the year, and when he was having that success. And then uh, I I think both of us saw him. And we're like, wow, how's he doing this? Uh, this is not sustainable, and it wasn't sustainable. And this year, uh, you know, I think you have to give the guy all kinds of credit. I mean, Nathan Rohde has been at Baseball America for a long time now, and writing about Silverstein and L.J. Hose on that high school program. You know, L.J. Hose, I believe they were teammates, and they were both in the. Uh, we yeah. put L.J. on the cover of that <laughs> of that issue uh, when they were in high school, and that team had nine Division One players, and I think that Scott Silverstein might be the last one still playing Division One college baseball. Um, he's really persevered, but like I think that you you just nailed it. The difference in those two teams is the offense. It's the dynamism of the lineup. It's a more dynamic lineup at Virginia. They have more ways to beat you. Florida State's hitting uh, you know a sub 800 OPS in ACC play. They've been stymied by the better pitching in the league, and you know, Marcus Davis provided them a real nice spark and power plant early in the year in the non-conference. And in the ACC, where you know, there's, you're you know, in your conference, you are always scout a little bit heavier. He's found the going a little tougher. Um, I, I still, and I I, I love this quote. When I was researching the podcast a little bit, uh, you know, in the last 10 minutes. Uh, the story I saw in Virginia Sports uh, where Brian O'Connor, this is the first time Florida State has ever been swept by Virginia. Right. And the way he put it is uh, Florida State has to be one of the most respected baseball programs in the country, and Coach Martin is as good of a person as there is in college baseball. Um, I just think it just tells you, and that's just the different the respect with which Florida State is held in the conference, in the country, and by his Coach Martin is held by his peers. That's what matters a little bit more. And then uh, a stat as we uh, segue from the ACC to the SEC, Aaron. This was a record, a program record. First of all, you had a uh, Davenport uh, capacity crowd, da- Davenport Field, 4980 on on, a sun- on Sunday yesterday. It was a very chilly day. Uh, in the north, yeah, it was chilly in North Carolina, and obviously to the north and the northeast was it was cooler. Um, and then for the weekend, they had almost fourteen thousand, so thirteen thousand eight hundred ninety, which is huge for an ACC weekend series, especially a place like uh, Virginia and North Carolina had a, a regular season record forty-two fifty-five Sunday, but that weekend of Virginia is like a day at Ole right. Miss or Mississippi State. <laughs>
1: Mississippi Arkansas. State. Did you see? Did you see Mississippi State did this weekend? I forget which game it was. It might have been Saturday or, or Friday or Saturday. They drew fourteen thousand some people. I for mean, a that's, game.
0: That's why I bring it up.
1: For one game, it's insane.
0: I mean, it's just it's just a different. It's just different. I mean, uh, I, I say kudos to North Carolina and Virginia for yeah. two places that have uh, put good products in the field built the ballparks, put good products in the field, and have figured out how to draw the fans. I mean, it's been sporadic right. for them in the past, but you know, North Carolina, Mike Fox have put a lot of work into drawing more fans in North Carolina. They've done the same thing at Virginia. And the SEC is just different. I mean, it's, it's just, it's so impressive. Their yeah. they're, they're fans and that fan culture, uh, you know, we have to give some kudos here to, to, to the old school guys, to Ron Polk and to Skip Bourbon. It's now Skip Bourbon Field at LSU. They're renaming the field there at yeah. uh, Alex Box Stadium. Um, you know, Ron Polk's name is on the field at uh, Mississippi State and the, they're the ones who started, uh, you know, Skip Burman learning it from Ron Frazier at the U and Ron Polk bringing it to the SEC and Skip Burman bringing it to LSU. The fan culture in the SEC is just so amazing. Yes, uh, it's never, it that just, it just never ceases to impress me, uh, that uh, other schools can do really significant things with their attendance and their ball and their, and their ballparks and all that kind of stuff. And in the SEC, I mean, like you said, they just outdraw uh, in one game, they'll draw Virginia-Florida State uh, weekend series.
1: And, and yet, it's. I will say that it gets annoying and tiresome when any time you praise a, a good weekend in the ACC, you say, oh, this is a good crowd, which I did. I, I think I, I praised the North Carolina crowd on Sunday. It was a record crowd. I thought yep. that was noteworthy. And like you and said, of it course, did look good on TV. <laughs> it did look good on TV. It looked really nice. I mean, they're, you know, they filled their, their ballpark. Their ballpark suits their needs. Uh, and they filled it, and it gets tiresome when anytime you you say something like that, it's like you, all the SEC people come out of the woodwork. Oh, that's that's a bad midweek crowd in the SEC. You know, I mean, it it, it we get it. You guys that's have right. the best the best fan support. Everyone knows that, but that doesn't no mean questions. you know. <laughs> there's there's relativity at play here. I mean, you know that you guys are the kings. We get it. You know, you can take a bow if you want. Uh, we we spend enough time praising the SEC, you know, and the SEC fans. They're they're the best. Everyone knows that. But come on, let we we can we can give some other people some compliments once in a while.
0: I believe it's called being gracious. Uh, yeah, I think that's what's lacking. I don't disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. I I I came here to to praise the SEC fan and the SEC fan culture. But I don't disagree with you. There's a little bit of uh, lack of grace in those kind of tweets and comments. That is. Uh, tiresome i don't disagree with you in any way shape or form and I, you know i i just think it's uh, you know worthwhile to uh, it, just because you're complimenting others does not mean that you're ignoring you know the fourteen thousand plus in starkville And we just talked about it on, Which, a, on a google hangout last week and you just went to arkansas and and, and, and
1: and earlier in the weekend i i tweeted something about mississippi state's crowd and how insane it was so i mean you know it's it's it, it's I, I you know acc gets its due let's just put it that way <laughs>
0: Exactly. Well, speaking of it, on the field, Aaron, uh, any any real surprises to you in this weekend's SEC play? It felt like, with the exception of South Carolina sweeping Kentucky, everything kind of went to form. Um, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised. South Carolina either sweeps or gets swept this year.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's it's been a very strange year for the Gamecocks. Um, you know, they they first of all, I mean, they they obviously deserve the benefit of the doubt, which I think is, is why last week in, in stock report, we continued to have them hosting, even coming off their second sweep or second time getting swept this year. Speaking of of ballparks
0: and crowds, I mean, for crying out loud, that place.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, I kind of thought they would come home and take care of business against Kentucky. Um, you know, and I, I didn't feel like Kentucky matched up very well with them and Kentucky hadn't been playing very well lately. Um, you know, so I wasn't stunned by the sweep. I mean, I, I maybe thought two out of three, but, um, you know, because I, I do still like Kentucky's talent. It's a good series sweep for South Carolina. Um, but, you know, the the Gamecocks still have a little issue of uh, of pitching depth right now. It seems like they don't trust more than, you know, four or five guys on that staff. Um, right. And uh, that could bite them at some point. But the next two weeks are going to be big for South Carolina. You got at LSU and then home against Vanderbilt. Um, and then they close at Mississippi State, so they have Georgia squeezed in there as well. But that's not an easy finishing kick for the Gamecocks. Um, we'll we'll see how their pitching holds up.
0: Yeah, and I mean the 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 team. I think everyone in the SEC right now is kind of watching. And we did not rank this this week, but Aaron, I'm going to give you the kudos because early in the year I was very down on the Gators. I thought Florida was headed for not being a, a regional team, um, but you you did not write off. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan's club. I wouldn't say I wrote them off. I just thought that they had just let, dug themselves too much of a hole to get right. out of. And, uh, right now I think you are looking very good on this one because the Gators, uh, have, have played a very difficult schedule. They've played 28 games against teams that we have ranked at one point or another this year. They're 13 and 15 in those games, but they're trending up. They swept South Carolina last weekend. They won a road series at Missouri this weekend. Um, And remain their four remaining conference series, home against Tennessee and Auburn at LSU and at Georgia. Uh, This is a team that is, to me, looking like it's gonna not just not just make the regionals, Aaron. If they somehow upset LSU, is it fair to say that Virginia has a chance? I mean, Virginia, Florida has a chance to host a regional still. They're not out of the mix for hosting yet.
1: Their RPI is strong enough, and and you're right. I mean, if they finish. Let's see, they're 10-8 they're and eight in the conference now. Let's say they win their last four series. Uh, let's say they go, let's say 10.
0: So they go 8-4. So they go 8-4. and four. Let's just be conservative about it.
1: Sure. Then that's 18 wins in the league and a high RPI. Yeah, they could host with that resume. I mean, you're right. It's it's remarkable. Um, I, I kind of feel like the most likely scenario still for me is, is, you know, there'll be a solid two seed like Vanderbilt was last year, digging out of that hole and being a two seed, which is pretty impressive. Um, you know, they, they've come a long way. And, and you know, there seems like their offense is clicking a little bit more now. I mean, obviously having Richie Martin at the top of the lineup uh, is important for them. I mean, he, he missed some time, and that kind of contributed to their, their struggles a little bit.
0: Yeah, that breaking um, hand seemed like it, and they moved him to the outfield a little bit. They've kind of had to shuffle him around. But the, the focus seems to be like we need him in the lineup at the top to kind of right. help ignite that. I had a scout just raving about t- Taylor Gushue the other day, just said that this guy's going to be a great draft next year. Switch-hitting catcher, starting to get it. Uh, the offense is solid, l- likes the defense. I mean, uh, still obviously there's development there, but, um, you know, this is what we thought. You know, this is a guy who came to school early uh, by a semester and uh, obviously earned time last year in a loaded lineup. Uh, big shoes to fill when you're filling in for Mike Zanino, but he's really starting to to, to get the picture there at Florida. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, you know, certainly I was saying going into the season and still believe that, that Gushu and, and Ramjit – have to be two key guys in the middle, and both those guys hit this weekend. Um, you know, which was which was key. Those guys have been coming on pretty good, and, and Justin Schaefer as well's, you know, has been nice there in the middle. I mean, it's it's the top half of this lineup in particular is pretty solid with Martin, Turgeon, you know, Schaefer, Ramjet, Tobias. Um, that's a
0: good. That's a really good top six of a lineup to me. That's a that's a that, that's a. It's not as good as most teams run out, but it's very competitive with some of the better lineups you're gonna yeah. see.
1: And, and, you know, I think they're a little more they're vulnerable in the, the bottom half of that lineup. And, um, you know, and, and this pitching staff is obviously not as deep as we're used to seeing from Florida. And they've had issues with the back of the rotation. And Tucker Simpson didn't really get it done on Sunday. They lost that last game against Missouri. But um, the, the fact is Florida is surging. Um, and that's... Uh, you know it's impressive i mean they, they also won a nice midweek game against the florida gulf coast this week they won a good midweek game at florida state the previous week both of those on the road um you know they're 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 playing pretty well right now
0: they really are and i just think you have to give a, a lot of credit to that uh, coaching staff to the job they've done to keep that team from kind of you know uh you know folding in on itself and, and feeling sorry for itself when they got off to that rough start i think uh I think that yeah, you know, I, I I take uh, blame for the for writing off the Gators a little prematurely. It's the Baseball America College Podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fit Aaron. A uh, couple of I had uh, at least one Twitter question for you. Um, Baylor's one in three week. It's Scott Mofield who emailed us this. His name is familiar to me, but uh, Baylor's one in three week puts them on the outside of the sixty four. Does that open up a spot for Oklahoma State or even West Virginia to sneak in to the um, uh, field of sixty four? Aaron, uh, the big series, I guess, in the Big 12 this weekend was, holy cow, West Virginia. West by God, Virginia, uh, winning a series against Texas. Stick a fork in the Longhorns, Aaron. Are they done?
1: Boy, it sure looks like it. I mean, they're 5-10 and ten in the Big 12. 5-10. They've lost all five of their Big 12 series. Uh, this unbelievable. One was unbelievable. This one was at home against West Virginia. I mean, come on. That's, you know, that's... This is Texas we're talking about. Uh, wh- what is going on up there? It's it's insane. I mean, it's really bizarre. And and you know the rest of the schedule now they've got two road series at Baylor, at TCU, which is starting to play better now. TCU yep. won a, a big series against against Baylor this past weekend. Um, you know I'm not saying TCU won't be an at-large team. They don't have the RPI. I mean they're they're but they're they're getting close to 500 now uh, overall. And and you know if they get into that Big 12 tournament, watch out. Watch <laughs> out. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. And then Kansas State, they have Texas has as well in there, which, you know, Kansas State's been playing well. So although they lost the series this weekend to Oklahoma State. But um, this, this league's a mess. It's I mean, a mess. it's just it's a continue. Mess. Everybody's everybody's beating up on each other. I mean, just when you thought, you know, last week, maybe Kansas State had something going. They lose a series to Oklahoma State, which had lost, I think, its previous two series yeah. uh, to uh, TCU and Kansas. You know, Baylor had something going. They they won that series against Oklahoma last week. They go and lose a series at TCU. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's going to result in a situation where they don't get very many teams to regionals. And and I, I don't think um, Oklahoma State or uh, West Virginia certainly has the RPI to get in as an at-large. Um Aaron, does anybody
0: yeah. in this league have the RPI to get in as an at-large? I mean, I'm looking yeah. at Oklahoma at 40, Kansas State at 39 on the Boyds World. I mean, like – yeah, they're looking up at teams that left their conference, Texas A&M, and even Nebraska. How about Nebraska with a higher, right. I mean, red-hot Nebraska, Big Ten yeah. leading Nebraska, but Nebraska with a higher RPI than its Big Twelve former conference mates. I mean, this is just—it's just, it's just <laughs> a horrible year in the Big Twelve. I mean, we knew it was going to be a bad year, but I mean, like, uh, I don't mean to. Oh, well, I guess I do mean to quote uh, Bill Walton. They're horrible.
1: It's 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 not a good year for the league, and and. Um, you know, I, I mean, we might have two teams in stock report in the big 12 this week. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, feels like I still
0: kind of, like Kansas state, Kansas and Oklahoma are really the only teams that you could even really uh, think to put in right now. I mean, Baylor yep. 20 and 20. I mean, that was a big series loss for the bears who had previously been pretty hot.
1: Right. And, and in fact, we put them in last week in stock report. We gave you right. the benefit of the doubt. I kind of thought, um, you know, down the stretch here, we knew it was a tough, you know, with three road series, and they did not handle TCU in the road this weekend, and they also lost a midweek game at Texas State last week. So all of a sudden, you know, they're on the wrong side. They're, they're, I think they're, they're in trouble. Um, you know, and, and and I was never really impressed with their talent anyway, but they had been playing better, and they won right. the big series against Oklahoma. But uh, you yeah, had they, them, they had to give
0: them their due. You know, they'd <laughs> sure, earn, they'd earned that respect. I, I, I was with you on that one, and uh, just a tough, tough weekend series for them. And then Oklahoma, I mean. RPI takes a giant hit when you uh, play yeah. New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is number 270 in the RPI. Oh. They've moved up <laughs> because they played Oklahoma, and they're 6-36. and I mean, that just, you know, I don't know what to do. What, what I, I, I've never been a head coach, obviously. I don't know how you schedule around that kind of thing, but that just seems like one where you, when you have New Orleans on your schedule and, uh, you know, someone has to play New Orleans, but if you're Oklahoma – Pray that's for a, rain. That could be the difference. That's <laughs> it. That could be the difference between, between uh, hosting and not hosting.
1: Yes, they they're. I mean, this this is the crazy thing. I don't think there's going to be a host in the state of Texas. Uh, there might not be a host in the entire part of the country. Aaron, I mean, it's you know, crazy. At, LSU is the closest thing we've got. You know, between the Mississippi and California. Um, you know, I mean, LSU, wow. maybe in Arkansas, I mean, I suppose it's still in the mix, but their RPI isn't great either. It's terrible. I mean, it's – For it's, a it's team ins- that's,
0: that's ranked yeah, where we have them, they're 14th. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, it's it's bizarre. So, I mean, you know, maybe because of that geographic factor, um, you know, Rice or Oklahoma, if they can boost that RPI, they can finish strong. Maybe one of those teams will get the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe both of them. Who knows? Uh, when it comes to hosting, but right now it's 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 just a very strange year, I and mean, we're not used to seeing this. I was talking with Wayne Graham last night, and I asked him, I said, "Can you can you remember a time when the state of Texas didn't have a host ever?" And you know, he couldn't remember one, and he's been around a long time, so uh, I'd have to look. I have to go back and look to see if this has ever happened before. But I have a feeling it hasn't.
0: I don't know that there's ever been a year without a regional host in Texas. In fact, I'm I'm, I'm almost positive of that. But that's one we can research, here, and we should uh, do that this afternoon because uh, it's crazy. I don't think there's ever been a year that without a without a regional host in the state of Texas. That would just be uh, the wrong kind of epic. I don't think it'd be good for college baseball. But I mean, maybe yeah. maybe it would. You know, and maybe it would be good if again put in that perspective, if they if if Indiana earns it, and Indiana has great uh, attendance, and you get in the you know, weather breaks and you know, how many do they seat there in Bloomington? It's
1: about 3,000. Know,
0: and if they if they pack it in, that'd be awesome. You know, if they pack it in in Louisville, uh, if they pack it in in Chapel Hill and in Raleigh. I mean, uh, you know, the North Carolina NC State series is already sold out here. It is Monday. That series is sold out, and I'm lamenting the Miles Wolf decision 20-some years ago to make the Carolina Mudcats be in Zebulon and not allow a team <laughs> in Raleigh. So we could have a double-A field in Raleigh where they could move that ball, that, that series. Uh, but I know Miles made the right choice for him. But, um... It's crazy, uh, to think about no regional in Texas or in Oklahoma. That is, that's just hard to believe. How about on the West Coast, Aaron? Who's looking to host out there besides Cal State Fullerton? Did is Oregon in danger of not hosting, despite the fact that the Ducks lead the Pac to, the Pac-12? Um, but yet a bad weekend in the state, uh, in the in the state of Oregon. Uh, you know, the, kind of the West Coast doppelganger of South Carolina in terms mm-hmm. of being a college baseball hotbed but Oregon State and Oregon lose series Oregon at home against UCLA correct was that at home
1: uh it was it was at home yes
0: and then Oregon State on the road trying to show you dub how the rings look and Lindsey Meggs and company finally <laughs> Washington the team that we th- this weekend they were finally the team that you thought they could be uh well, they really handed it to Oregon State winning 2 out of 3
1: yeah and and you know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to wear a little bit of Washington on, on the body of work here. I mean, there's 11 and 26. That was not one of my better preseason calls. I thought they'd be a fringe regional team. Um, certainly. I mean, they've had some very key injuries there that have hurt them. But, um, you know, that's that's a bad look. I mean, I, I like Washington coming into the season. I don't like them now. It's a bad series loss for Oregon State. Um, but they're still, what, top five in the RPI. Um, and their body work is still very strong. I mean, they're, you know, they're still very much in the national seed picture. Oregon has a weird resume to me. I mean, I, you know, the, I know they're, they're still strong in the RPI. They're, uh, number nine in the RPI right now. So they're still certainly, you know, and, and they're leading the pac 12. So, I mean, the committee at a glance, you look at those two factors, I have a feeling that's going to be, if they can sustain that kind of stuff, that'll be enough for the committee to give, to give them a host. Right. Uh, but to me. I look at the fact that they've played four series against top 25 teams and three of them have been at home and they've lost all four of those series, Uh, Vanderbilt, um, UCLA at home. Those are actually the only two at home and then at Arizona State and at Fullerton. So if they've lost all four of those series, um, you know, they've taken care of business against the teams that they should take care of business against. I still like their team a lot uh but they can't get over the hump against these these really good clubs that they've played and and you know, I don't even think UCLA is an elite club but I think they're good. Right. And, and and Oregon hasn't beaten good teams. I mean they don't get swept. You know, they've they've come back in in all four cases and won the Sunday game. I think in all four cases they lost the first two and won the Sunday game. Um They're really but,
0: they're, they're more I on is it inescapable to me anyway and they seem that like they're more scrappy and good than great.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And and I do, you know, I think they. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think they have good pitching, and and you know they, those two games they lost this weekend to UCLA were one nothing games. Right. You know the, those are you're not far from from winning those games, and you're losing one nothing. Um, but the fact is, if, if it comes down to UCLA versus Oregon for a host, um, you know I, I like UCLA's body of work better. I know they're behind in the RPI, they're behind in the standings, but they just won a series at Oregon. I think they've got more quality wins. Um, I I I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see how it works out. Maybe both those teams host. I certainly think Oregon State and Fullerton are going to host. Arizona State looks like they're probably going to host. Uh could we get 5 on the West Coast? It seems that's more than usual. I feel like 4 is kind of par for the course. It
0: does. It really does. And I'll just tell you the other the other complicating factor in all this here and it's just the uh the, the it's very difficult with Oregon State losing the series to Washington to definitively say which is the best team in the Pac-12. I mean, it's right. just Everyone seems like they've beaten everybody else, and up on the outside, here comes Stanford.
1: Yep, you're right. Here they come. Is, is you know, and and the, the previous three weeks, it was it was Washington State, USC, and Washington. So you know, and there was two out of three, in all three cases, it wasn't a sweep. Right. So it wasn't it wasn't very emphatic, but they were kind of sneaking up a little bit. And you know, let's not forget, before that, they lost home series back to back against UNLV and Utah. They went one in five in those two weeks. Um, so they had some work to do. And, and you know, the RPI is still um, not where it needs to be, you know, but they're up to 83. It's an improvement. I think it started the week at, I don't know, 112 or 120, something like something that. Something like that. Um, so they jumped up 40 spots at least, uh, 30, 40 spots. I mean, they're, they're... – It's
0: exactly what you, what you wrote, though. You wrote, like, hey, look, they're at 112 or whatever they were, but the it sets up where if they keep winning, this RPI is going to shoot up and it's it's going to get a lot harder back-to-back, Series on the road coming up at O State, uh, and I'm sorry, not Oregon State. Who's their next two series against? I thought right in front of me.
1: At Oregon and at Arizona State, that's and it. then and then it's at home against Oregon State. So next three weeks, and then they close with, with UCLA at home. So for the next five weeks, then they're at Cal in between the rivalry series. I mean, it's it's that's a tough schedule.
0: Very tough, but this team is a little bit more of what we thought they'd be. Now that you have Austin Wilson healthy, uh, back yep. in the lineup making a lot of contact, his you know, strikeout rate is, is lower. Um, you got to figure at some point, Aaron, that Lonnie Coppola is not going to hit 224 all year or that great Blandino is going to do better than 239. feels like Stanford, maybe part of it's the schedule, but it does feel like they're starting to round into form.
1: Yeah, it does. And, and you know, this was, their in my opinion, this was the first uh, test that they've passed in a while. I mean, um, you know, Arizona was had also been, been getting well against kind of a softer part of its schedule. And it was a competitive series this weekend. You know, you had two slug fests uh, right. the last two games of that series. And, and you know, that's the other thing. I mean, Stanford, yeah, they're playing better. Still have the those pitching question marks after Appel. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the rotation is just meh. It,
0: the whole team really has kind of has been meh. So I mean, the, I, I really just wonder, you know, is it in there for them or not? I mean, we like their talent. But you know, uh, at some point, they uh, like you, you. just feel like they're, they're going to have to win some games with their pitching.
1: And, I mean, can they do that? As as good as as Mark Appel is, wouldn't you rather have like a Florida State rotation? And Florida State doesn't have big prospects. Luke Weaver's got a good arm, but yep. wouldn't you rather have Florida State's rotation than yep. Stanford's?
0: No doubt, I really absolutely would. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I keep on waiting for AJ Venegas to kind of take that step forward. And, I mean, what is he, he came back and they didn't pitch this weekend. I mean, mm. it's just uh, – it's very odd. They just aren't – they are not who we thought they were. But I do give a lot of credit to Mark Marquis for this team getting better as the season has gone on. Part of it is the schedule, but part of it is they're playing better and uh, they're starting to play uh, somewhat to the level of their talent. Um, Aaron, a couple other things we'll wrap up. Your preseason Omaha sleeper has gotten hot again. New Mexico Lobos, uh, starting to play better. I don't know that New Mexico's got a shot to host, but but you know how dangerous do you think this New Mexico team is as we come down the stretch?
1: Well, I think they're they're dangerous. I mean they're you know they're such a good offensive team. You know first of all that's that's what we thought they would be. Um, we we always thought the pitching was just going to be okay at best, uh, but we thought their their bats would kind of carry them. And you know look they're scoring runs. Uh, Josh Melendez has gotten really hot. He's got I think a nineteen game hitting streak now. Um so I feel like that group with Peterson, Garver, you know, Alex Real and Melendez and Ryan Padilla, uh boy, that's a good group in the middle of that lineup. Um, you know, I I think I think the defense is probably it seems like it's it's been better of late as well. I mean, that was you know, I don't know, they made four errors on Sunday. Day. But that's a lingering concern with New Mexico. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just going to have to outslug people. And I think they can do that. Um, you know, they get UNLV at home this weekend. They get Air Force at home, finish at Fresno and at San Diego State. Um, it's, you know, it's a manageable schedule. I mean, they're 14-4 they're and four in the league. They're in first place. Um, I don't know that they're going to get themselves into at-large range with the RPI, but they're up to 71 now. I don't know. I mean, it could happen. But uh, I think regardless, I think they're they're the team to beat in that league.
0: I think they're the team to beat in that league as well. And now we have so Aaron, who's the team to beat in Conference USA? I mean, you had Rice win a series this weekend against Houston, kind of a must have series for mm. Rice. But they're still second in that league uh, with, a, I, I think, a pretty impressive series win for Southern Miss to go on the road at Memphis. Memphis isn't a great team, but it's a pretty good team. And when you go on the road to play Memphis, you have to face back-to-back really good college left-handers in Sam Mole and Eric Schoenrock. And Southern Miss went on the road and beat both of them. And you know, they lost a Sunday game 2-1 to one to end their winning streak at nine uh, in a row, but uh, nine games. But uh, I thought that was a pretty impressive road series win for Southern Miss. It just feels like Conference USA, just again, a league that does not have a lot of margin for error when it comes to regional bids.
1: Mm-hmm. You're right. The RPIs are, it's comparable to the Big 12. You know, where your your top RPI right now is Rice at 45. Um, and then, you know, you, the rest of the teams, I mean, they're right now not in that large range. I mean, even, even Houston, uh, 65. That's outside that large range. Um, you know, this was a big series for Houston, a big series. And, you know, they won the first game and they can almost taste that silver glove trophy that right. they're playing for. Uh, and then Rice just does what Rice does and comes back and wins the series. So um, Southern Miss is, is kind of like, you know, they've had a season like Florida where it started off, they were preseason top 25, started off very rocky. Now they're back above 500. They're 21 and 18, which is about what Florida is, uh, maybe exactly what Florida is. And, um, you know, they're 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 coming on at the right time. I mean, they're they're dangerous. And, and the remaining schedule is favorable. You got UAB at East Carolina. Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, in there, It's which definitely is doable. Gonna, it's definitely hurt, doable for them. Uh, that'll hurt their RPI, but then they finish at Houston. So, I mean, you know, I I think I think they're they're a talented club, and they're they're finally playing up to their talent. Uh, that said, I mean, Rice is the team that beaten it's Conference USA. That's it. It's Conference USA. It's it's it's, it's Rice. Rice's,
0: it's Rice's conference until proven otherwise. And Aaron, I just feel like the only other team that has a chance. The the the, the league, I should say, the leagues have a chance to come in and scoop up some of these bids that usually go to Big Twelve or Conference USA teams are in the north. Am I yep. wrong? Big East and Big Ten?
1: Yep. Uh, you're ma-
0: right. Ma- maybe Missouri Valley, but Big East and Big Ten feel like these are multiple bid leagues.
1: Yes. Um, you know, and and, and I don't know about the, the Missouri Valley as far as you know, okay. the the RPIs are not there. I feel like okay. it's a one bid league. I mean last year it was three and it felt like it almost could have had four. Uh this year I think the highest RPI is Creighton seventy three. Um, mm. that's not, that's not going to get it done, but the, the big 10 now they're, they're picking up the slack. I mean, Indiana, we know about, of course, uh, Nebraska playing Nebraska
0: that, that red hot
1: playing that really difficult schedule early has, is, is paying dividends. I mean, they, they took their lumps, you know, they went down to Fullerton. They played what five, four games against Fullerton down that's there yeah. over the course we of, of Texas. the first several weeks in Texas. I mean, they're they, they hosted themselves
0: about uh, not beating Texas.
1: That's right. They, they hosted New Mexico and, and, and won two games against them. Um, you know, they went down to UC Irvine, lost the series. But since they've gotten into the conference play now, I mean, they're, you know, I think they're, they're battle tested after that non-conference uh, they, they've, you know, they've won every series but one in conference. They lost to Ohio State a couple of weeks ago, but um, you know this this Nebraska team is is pretty solid. I mean, I kind of like their 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 talent. I mean, the, the top half of their lineup in particular, they can score some runs, which they did this weekend against Purdue. Um, you know, they scored double digits in all three of those games at Purdue. Not a very good Purdue team. I mean, they, they lost everything from last year. They're 11 and 25, but still, I mean, that's you know. You, the point is Nebraska, they've got a pretty good offensive club. I don't love their pitching, um, but, um, you know, they're hot. They're, they're up to 500 overall. They're 36 in the RPI, trending in the right direction. Um, you know, they could be an at-large team. Ohio State, Michigan State, you know, those could be at-large teams because just looking at the RPI, which is really the first thing you have to look at. I mean, I know we're, neither of us loves the RPI. Uh, but that's just kind of the to get through the door, you have to have a certain RPI. It's just the reality.
0: It's it's like pitchers, where you know I don't I don't uh, put everything on velocity, but you got to throw at least eighty eight eighty nine miles an hour to have a chance. You know, right? In in the big leagues anyway. So when you're looking at prospects, you want to put it all on velocity. But almost you're almost saying if you don't throw ninety miles an hour, you know you're really and you're, especially if you're right handed, you're not a prospect. It's just pretty right. hard to get. To, you just don't see very many right-handers. In the big leagues, who never threw 90 miles an hour. It's the same thing with the RPI. It may not be the, the thing that you want to look at, but the committee looks at it, and you better have a certain level of RPI. And let's face it, most of RPI is just winning games. You know, win games. If you have a winning record, most of the time, your RPI is even better. And it gets better if you play better teams. And we know that it has flaws and deficiencies, but it kind of is what it is. You know, you, 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 have to, you have to use it, it's a tool. Um, to me, the, the, the big key for Nebraska, going back to them real quick, was you know, Kyle Kubot getting back on the mound. He's had some arm injuries this year. He started, yeah. he started those, uh, that no-hitter against uh, Arkansas. Um, you know, he, he was good for them last year. Uh, not great, but he was good for them. If you're looking for them to improve their pitching, that's, that's a guy who yeah. you, know, you look at could be a guy who improves things. And I don't know what might happened. Be the, Go ahead. I mean, might I'm be the best,
1: he might be the best arm on their staff, John. I mean, that's a, certainly it's a huge midseason reinforcement.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, let's see what happens. They've got Rutgers on their schedule coming up, so maybe that helps their RPI. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Speaking of how crazy the RPI is, and then the Big East, Aaron, well, as we wrap up, I mean, the Big East just feels like a league where there's a lot of really solid teams. And, again, it's hard to differentiate. I mean, like, what do you make of South Florida having won 12 games mm-hmm. in a row? But Pittsburgh's a team I think, yeah, we, we both like. Uh, they've been consistent winners all year. They had the one-series loss, really, to, to South Florida, Louisville uh, you know, took a series loss to Eddie Blanks and the Johnnies. Of course, Eddie Blanks and the Johnnies uh, of St. John's were going to get back on, uh, get back in the right direction. Um, but, you know, I, I, just, I don't know how many bids this league can get looming there at the bottom of the league standings. Is, is uh, not the bottom, but you know, Notre Dame at four and eight in the league, but with a pretty solid RPI. We think this is a good team. How many bids is it possible for the Big East to get? Four is four
1: possible. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean I think I think the most likely scenario is 2 and and maybe 3. Um, I think Louisville is the only real lock, uh, and then you know Notre Dame. I still think with their RPI, they need to finish strong. I mean, they're four and eight in the league, but you know if they can, they can. We went, like we talked about, I think last week or two weeks ago. I mean, we've learned that the committee doesn't seem to care that much about conference standings if you have a good RPI, especially as a northern team. I mean, Michigan State last last year is just the the example of that. Uh, but you know the, the rest, the rest of the schedule I feel like is is manageable for uh, for Notre Dame. Two home series at, uh, against. UConn and, and South Florida, you know, which are, are solid clubs in the Big East, but you know, nice to have those at home. I think Notre Dame is the better team. Uh, and then they finish at St. John's and at Cincinnati. I mean, uh, I, I think in Notre Dame, you know, I still I still project them to be a regional team. I think they're going to finish solid. And, 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 again, they're top 30 in the RPI. Uh, and then, you know. What about
0: know, the Hall? What about Seton Hall?
1: Seton Hall sitting there fourth place, seven and five, you know, number 50 in the RPI. And no Louisville on
0: their regular season schedule, at least if if I'm looking at this right. So that that probably helps. I mean, they still have to play. It it seems like they they have two series against good teams left: South Florida and St. John's, and they have at Cincinnati and at Villanova. I mean, from an RPI standpoint, they probably have to sweep those Cincinnati and Villanova series. Um, Just I don't know. It just feels like that's a team where uh, you know if they're in the mix. Uh, they could be that Michigan State where you don't know that they necessarily deserve it, but that they get in there because their RPI is pretty high. And they they lost a lot of games early, but they lost to good teams in general.
1: Right. And that's that's I mean, that's one of the things that I don't like about the RPI. Exactly. Is is that it rewards you for playing team, not for necessarily beating them. I mean, you know, 50 percent of the RPI is your opponent's record and another 25 percent is your opponent's opponent's record. So your record is only 25 percent of the formula. I just think it's silly to put so much weight on a formula that is 75% has nothing to do with whether you win or lose. Um, But that's, that's what we got. That's what we're dealing with here, um, and and you know they they went on the road a bunch and played in North Carolina and they went to Pepperdine, which not not, not a great RPI team, but, but they won that. Um, they swept, but that they swept it. But they swept it. Right. And and you know they played Notre Dame. And they lost two out of three, but that probably helps their RPI anyway. It's on the road, especially. I mean, if you that's the other thing with the RPI formula. If you go on the road, you win one out of three. Um, you know, it's it's worth it's worth um, as much basically as if as if you'd won the series at home.
0: Aaron, we've gone long. I probably should let you go. We'll uh, talk more about this uh, probably uh, 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 on the Google Hangout. That's every Monday at 1230. And if you miss the Google Hangout, which we do live, 5-10 minutes of college baseball talk on our Google Plus Hangout, uh, those are archived both at uh, BaseballAmerica.com and also on our YouTube page, YouTube slash Baseball America video, I believe is that YouTube account. So, uh, Fitzy, great stuff as always. And uh, where are you headed this weekend? Are you are are you just going to take in a lot of games via the computer and uh, the 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 great attention that ESPN has really started to show college baseball in recent years?
1: Yeah, this has been this has been fun. I mean, I was sitting there on on what Sunday I think, uh, and there's a game on ESPN U. There's a game on ESPN Two. Um, you know, then you you look around and and you got a uh, uh, bunch of games on ESPN Three. I mean, you know, your, your game in North Carolina. I was watching. NC State and Georgia Tech. It's nice to have three laptops lying around. Since my wife's out of town, I can use I can co-opt her other laptop. And <laughs> so I got I got three laptops set up. I got the TV flipping back and forth. I mean, it was it, it was like being uh, at the command center, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. But um, you know that that's been that's been helpful. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sticking around Southern California next weekend. I'm not sure what, what's on the schedule. Uh, but uh, you know the, the the bulk of my travel is is in the rearview mirror until the postseason.
0: Good stuff, Aaron. Uh, Look forward to uh, obviously following him uh, at Aaron Fit if you're not already following him. I'm at John Manuel BA, and this has been the Baseball America College podcast for Aaron. I'm John. So long, everybody.